Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. Are you ready? Are you ready for guests to come to your church? I know here as we're sitting here at the end of 2021 and heading into 2022, I keep hearing from church leaders that they keep having a ton of new guests come. The question is, what does your facility look like to new guests? Are you ready to guide them from the their car all the way through the worship experience and ultimately can get them cl- plugged into your church are the interiors of your building dating dated and frankly need improvement our friends at the architecture and design team at rise point want to help you align your facility with the mission and vision that God has given your church. How do they do that? Well, they look at all the guest touch points and help you decide where you need to invest in your church and improve it. That's why RisePoint has developed this thing they call the needs analysis. The needs analysis is a comprehensive site to seat experience through the lens of first-time guests. It starts with in-person meetings to get to know your church, evaluating your signage, your interiors, your branding, their flow, and it really ends up in a really incredible uh, report that you can use that really guides your decision-making. If you want to learn more, head over to RisePoint, that's with an E, RisePoint, with an E.com, and click on the needs analysis, or just go to theneedsanalysis.com and let them know you heard about it here at Unseminary and you'll get $500 off. This is a powerful first tool to really help you understand your first-time guests. Again, that's the theneedsanalysis.com. Let them know that Unseminary sent you. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. Every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you, and I'm super excited to have uh, Next Steps pastor at Chapel Hill Church, Julie Hawkins, with us. Uh, next, This is a fantastic church you should be tracking with, and I'm excited to talk to Julie and to learn from her. She's on the people side of what we do, really helping people journey through Alpha, getting them connected through life groups, serving both locally and globally. Uh, Julie, welcome to the show. So glad that you're here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't we start with you telling us about Chapel Hill? Kind of fill out the picture for us. Tell us a bit of the story. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Tell us, you know, give us a kind of a flavor of the church and then your role. Yeah, Chapel Hill, it is not in North Carolina. People get confused about that. (laughs) Um, But it is, it's in Gig Harbor, Washington, and it started as a Mm -hmm. chapel on a hill, clever name. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have grown over the years. I've been at Chapel Hill uh, personally for about 30 years. I grew up there. So mm-hmm. it is such a blessing oh, nice. to serve at the church that I grew up at. And uh, mm-hmm. we are a church that is really committed to being for our city and our community mm-hmm. and also being for our our world. Uh, so that's one of the things that mm-hmm. I love about Chapel Hill my role as the next steps pastor is Mm -hmm. I am there to help people take whatever their next step is in the discipleship Mm -hmm. pathway or process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I help people connect to community through our life groups and through celebrate recovery. I help people connect to service 
through local and global outreach or serving at the church. Um, and then I also help people connect to reaching others with the gospel through Alpha. Obviously, I don't do mm-hmm. all of that on my own. I have a fantastic team that helps me with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mm-hmm. get to be kind of that the point that people come to to help connect them into mm-hmm. their next step mm-hmm. and help connect them to the church. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, I am uh, really looking forward to uh, to learning from from you and from the church. I think one of the things uh, for longtime listeners of the show, you know, I love t- particularly talking to church leaders who are leading in context where you would say, like, that's not a place that churches should grow. And and Washington is one of those places. This is a tough community yeah. to reach. And Chapel Hill has been one of those those churches that's just made a huge impact on its community. So I'm really got my notepad out. I'm really looking forward to learning today, particularly, uh, you know, when I think about these last, we were joking about this earlier, these last 18 months or so during COVID and on the people side, the kind of connection side, wow, it's been a tough season for that. Let's talk about, let's remind us, remind us back to March, 2020. What were some of the early impacts of COVID on Chapel Hill? What did it look like in those early days? Uh, let's let's start there. Oh man, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? It's amazing. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, but it's, it's pretty incredible to think back uh, to 2020, March 2020. We felt like we were on the cusp of a lot of things. Like we had seen a, mm. a season of significant growth. Uh, our alpha was really right. growing and we were seeing more people from mm-hmm. outside of the church come to alpha, which is a really key transition uh, when it. you're running yeah, a, totally. a course like that. And mm-hmm. we, we felt like uh, we were just about ready to step into all of these really incredible things. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the world literally shut down, shut down. and we had to, that yeah. word that everybody used so often in 2020, we had to pivot and then pivot and then pivot. Yeah. And so it was mm-hmm. really a strange time because there was almost a, as we looked back, it was like, wow, God was doing so much. And then we had to pump the right. brakes when the world is going yeah. on, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. You know, the uh, one of the things that I think we all experienced during that was this sense of, it was like this disorienting, like, okay, now what are we going to do? When you look back to these last 18 months, what were some of those things that you were able to, you know, try new to, you know, that, to kind of experiment with? What were some of those things that, you know, you found yourself doing things as a church that you just normally wouldn't have done? Yeah. So for us, we didn't have a mm-hmm. live stream of our services before COVID. Okay. Okay. And oh, gosh. so all oh, of goodness. a sudden yes. it was like, Hey, we got to do this. So we yes. very quickly developed uh, an online presence. And because we developed mm-hmm. that online presence, we started playing with what does that look like to do it more? And mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that I really appreciated about Chapel Hill and our leadership team and the way we approach this season is mm-hmm. we just had the willingness to try things. At large mm. churches, it can be hard to change quickly. And I think yes. that the early days of COVID gave us the opportunity to try things quickly and say, did this work? Do we want to change it? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to can it and go a completely different direction? Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of let us, you know, pioneer a little bit in ways that Mm -hmm. large established churches don't have the opportunity to do. And so a couple of Mm -hmm. those things, just thinking back on uh, Mm -hmm. things that we did is we um, 
we did uh, some virtual go teams with our global mm-hmm. outreach partners. And what we found with that was it allowed us to engage a population of our congregation that would never be able to go to Cambodia or mm-hmm. Thailand. Mm-hmm. And they were able to engage with our global outreach partner in a way they weren't able to before. And we did it once and then we thought, well, mm-hmm. What if we did it more and had like a recipe that mm-hmm. you cook from the country or some music that you mm. listen to from the country? So we even grew that. Um, we had conversations mm. with our local outreach partners that mm-hmm. helped people know how to pray for them and really engage intentionally with our local outreach partners, recognizing that um, showing up to serve is a great opportunity to build relationship, but you can continue to build that Mm -hmm. relationship outside of either the team that goes and visits or the team that goes to serve. Uh, So I liked that Mm -hmm. a lot. We did a thing where we um, launched a mental health Monday with our care ministries and our director of care would talk through things that people were dealing with, especially when we were in lockdown on quarantine, what's Mm -hmm. happening with your mental Mm -hmm. health. She even did one where she interviewed all of the kids in next steps, all of our staff's oh, children wow, cool. and talked about what they were dealing yeah. with. So we did mental health Mondays and we did um, a way to serve Wednesday, engaging people in service. Uh-huh. And, and they were just very like low quality, yes. quick videos that we did. And, <laughs> sure. and, we, and we even give the freedom to say, man, if you want to talk for five minutes about this, or if you want to talk about for 50 minutes about this, this is the time to try it. So uh, those yeah, are a couple give it of a things. Whirl. Exactly. Like, why not? I, I have one I'd, more thing. I'd love to hear about. Okay, go one more, one more thing. thing. Yeah, then, the then other thing to, that we did that I was yes. super excited about was uh, we tried online alpha. And that okay. was, yep. again, one of those things that it was like, how in the world uh, can you dig into life's big questions online? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. funny because I had gone to a call about online alpha the week, like two weeks before COVID. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's like everything's online, and and I've yes. been. Um, it was. I'm excited that we're through that season now, and we're not doing online alpha anymore. But we saw sure. more people come to faith through Zoom mm-hmm. than we did with mm-hmm. our in-person alphas. So it was just mm-hmm. incredible to see the fruit from that. Yeah, I love that. I know. I, I um. So it was the June of that year. I was involved in an online conference, and Nikki Gumbel was from Alpha was a part of that. And yeah, one of the things he was talking about was he apparently was was resistant to online Alpha for years. He said, "You cannot do this online. You have to have the meal. We got to do the weekend. You cannot do this." And and so then he tells the exact same story of like. Well, then I, I'm an alpha leader. And so I, we were leading online alpha and saw the exact same thing. Saw all these yeah. people come to know the Lord and just saw really cool outcomes from yeah. that. That's, that's I mean, really amazing. The Holy Spirit I, I love can you work. Just rolled, the Holy Spirit can work through Zoom. Who absolutely, knew? Absolutely. Who knew? Exactly. It's amazing. Which I, I just loved that as a leader for him, you know, he's, he's got a few laps on the track, you know, to be saying, Hey, I'm still learning and growing and trying new things, which I thought was great. So I love that you just kind of rolled over the virtual go teams. I want to hear more about that. So you did these international service opportunities, pick that apart a little bit, help us understand what was it? What did you do? What kind of impact? What did it? Yeah. Let's talk, talk me through that. Yeah. So 
our strategy with our global outreach focus in general is to build relationships with our global mm-hmm. outreach partners. And so because of that, we mm-hmm. have fewer partners than some other large churches might because we intentionally want to go yep. deep in relationship with them. And we also want to emphasize that our, it's a relationship and it's not based on transaction. And so because mm-hmm. of that, it actually really lent itself to this virtual go team model that we were having conversations with our global outreach partners over zoom and people were able to ask Mm -hmm. them questions about what life is Mm -hmm. like in their context. They were able to ask them questions about the ministry that they were involved in. We were really uh, able to uh, lean into intentional prayer, uh, praying for the Mm -hmm. partner over zoom and, and then we added a couple other things, like um, we did fair trade gift boxes from, if we were mm. able to, from the country where they, they would get like a, maybe like a little ornament made by a fair tra- trade group mm-hmm. from Haiti or something like that. So mm-hmm. just like, you know, when you go on a go team, you come back with something tangible yes. that you would let, that you show everybody. And so we had that same component mm-hmm. to it and recipes and music and things like that. And then really the service thing, especially during COVID, um, a lot of our partners, they weren't receiving teams, but they were still, they were having to pivot and do ministry as well. And so being able to tell Mm -hmm. the story of their uh, changes in ministry was really important, but then also helping Mm -hmm. them fund some of that was Mm -hmm. a huge part of it. So I feel like the serving piece of it became a we're going to help support you as you're shifting from being a a seminary in Mexico to being a food bank for your local community. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that. And I know so many of our international partners um, and I I wonder if you're experiencing this as well. I know in a lot of churches, we're unable to go still like it's, and, and they, you know, the horizon on that is measured in years. Like it may not be, yeah. you know, may not be next year. Yeah. Even. It might be into 2023 before we're able to to do that again. And so, I, and I think a lot of us are still trying to figure out ways, how do we keep building those relationships? How do we keep connected with these people? So I, I love that. What a cool, uh, I love that kind of virtual go team thing. Now, when you think back to this season, you've tried a lot of things. Is there anything that you've done that you think will impact the church as you look to the future. You're like, oh, here's some things that we'll continue to do uh, down the road for, you know, for, you know, because of this season when you think about it. Yeah, I'm sure there's many. The one that comes to mind initially is that mm-hmm. we moved a lot of our life groups onto Zoom. Mm-hmm. And well, initially mm-hmm. we moved all of our life groups onto Zoom. And we saw more people join life groups in that initial season than we ever had mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's people that were involved in our community, but maybe hadn't joined a group. And all of a sudden, your mm-hmm. life group was where you were doing life in these like tiny little communities. Yes. So we saw these people yes. join and they a lot of life groups moved to Zoom. And what people realized is you can still stay connected to your community, even when you are out of town or especially for right. our men's life groups, uh, they would instead of meeting at a coffee shop at five o'clock in the morning, they're able to meet on zoom and build those intentional Mm -hmm. relationships. Or if everybody Mm -hmm. on the group is traveling, you can meet on zoom. So it allows people to stay Mm -hmm. connected. So that's one that I think of initially. Uh, And we also adapted Mm -hmm. a lot of our training that we, we had been doing in person. We adapted a lot of our training to be online. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we'll continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we've realized that 
flipping the classroom and having the mm-hmm. a teaching component via computer and then having the relationship right. in person is um is a good model and that people are able to watch the um whatever the training piece is at their own speed mm-hmm. and then they're mm-hmm. able to come and build a relationship in person so that's something i think we'll we'll hopefully continue to do and maybe do more and even better yeah i love it that's so good it's for sure you, you, yeah on that training piece that's definitely you can see that where you know, it's like we're all used to not just Zoom, but we're used to kind of online stuff more now than we were two years ago. That's that's fantastic. Well, I'd, I'd love to take advantage of the fact that you are, you live and breathe getting people connected. And I think all of our churches are facing this in this, again, post-COVID, intra-COVID, whatever the season we're in, we're all asking the question how now people have been impacted. We've seen that. There, there maybe is some hesitancy for people to re-engage, hesitancy to join teams, hesitancy to jump into a small group or alpha. Um, what are you seeing that's helping on that front in this season? How are you, you know, helping people at Chapel Hill take those steps? Or, you know, is there is there anything that you've seen that is has been kind of helping people in this kind of as we're exiting COVID or whatever it is? Again, I'm not sure what we're in. You know, yeah. as we're in this current season to kind of get plugged uh, into community. Yeah, it feels like perpetual COVID. I don't know if we'll ever yes, be out of it, yes. but uh, we'll yes, just continue exactly. adapting as we go. Uh, yeah. So ways that we've connected people, it it is a constant thing that we're wrestling with, certainly. And mm. uh, re-engaging mm-hmm. people that haven't come back to in-person worship yet, and mm-hmm. also re-engaging mm-hmm. new people. Uh, a couple of tools mm-hmm. that I have found have to be useful mm-hmm. is uh, we've been utilizing a tool called focus growth, uh, which is a first time okay. guest follow-up uh, mm-hmm. platform. Well, actually it's, it's way more than first time guests, but we're using it for our first time guest follow-up mm-hmm. and it's a way mm-hmm. to um, help people indicate that they're new and then begin a conversation with them via text message. And, um, and then also what it does for me, that's very helpful is it sets them in, it puts them into a process queue. So it reminds me to go back and follow up with them and say like, you know, this person, they've been here for two weeks and, um, it would be a great time to invite them to Chapel Hill 101, our initial class to get to Mm -hmm. know the church. So it kind of, it, Mm -hmm. it, I've found that the best way to connect people is to have an intentional leader who is connecting with Mm -hmm. them. And so mm-hmm. focus growth has helped, like it's helped nudge me when I need to connect with all of the people that are coming in. And it's been great. Like um, it. we've gotten so far, we've had a 100% return rate from people. Wow. Yeah. Like incredible. Uh, so they get, when they receive that text message from me uh, asking how they connected to Chapel Hill, we've had 100% of a return uh, right, answering the question of how they ended up at the church. So uh, I feel like I, more than standing at our, we have a, uh, we call it the wood wall. It's where people come to connect mm-hmm. after the service. Mm-hmm. More than that, I see I building relationship through these text messages and then being able to get to know them a little bit better and say, hey, maybe this is your next step. So that's mm-hmm. been really helpful. It. Yeah, I love that. And there's something about the obviously everyone's on their phone and there's yeah. the, you can see that where there's like a there's a 
the, the trick has always been, I, at least I have found from my seat on getting people connected. It's like you, you want to give people enough anonymity that they don't feel like we're jumping down their throat. Like you want to give them some space, but you don't want to give them too much anonymity because then they'll never connect, right? It's like, yeah. we know that human relationships happen when people get to know each other. And so, you know, I can see where a kind of texting solution would be an interesting middle ground there. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's cool. it's so easy in a large church to slip through the cracks to people for people just yes. to kind of anonymously come in and never be noticed or never engage. And obviously we don't want that because we believe we mm-hmm. grow in our relationship with Jesus when we grow in relationship with one another. So we want to connect with people, but we also don't want to overwhelm mm-hmm. people. You know, we don't want people, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to come on too strong and a text message that mm-hmm. is how we communicate. So we found that more than an email or more than a phone call, a text, and it's a dedicated text line that I have that I, mm-hmm. several times a week, I spend time just responding to people and connecting with them over, over a text message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. I love that. That's uh, that's fantastic. What a, what a helpful conversation this has been. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you uh, so much for taking time. When you think about kind of op- up over the horizon, you think, okay, like we're, you know, two years from now, we're, st- we're on the eighth wave or the 12th wave or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. continuing to process through uh, COVID. What do you think, you know, wh- where, is, where does your mind go on kind of future things at Chapel Hill when you think about where are there things down the road you're thinking about testing or working on to help people get connected in groups or to get plugged into more service opportunities? Are there, you know, questions you're even asking, you know, in the future? Where, where's your, where's your mind going when you think about that? Yeah, the two big things that I I am thinking about in the new year, my kind of new year's resolution Mm -hmm. projects uh, are the first is that I am, I've been really thinking about volunteer engagement uh, before Mm -hmm. COVID. And then we've seen it progress Mm -hmm. even more during COVID. We had a deficit of volunteers and uh, I know that we are not the only church that's experienced that. I know that there are quite a few or that that's the norm now is that people aren't jumping to serve. And so I've really Mm -hmm. been thinking through how do we engage volunteers? How do we shepherd them? Well, how do we retain them? Mm -hmm. How do we, Mm -hmm. how do we begin even in that recruit stage? So that's something that Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about and Mm -hmm. uh, really working hard to build a a structure and framework that is Mm -hmm. um, that's good for volunteer engagement and, and then the mm-hmm. second thing that I'm thinking about, which I feel like all of these things kind of walk hand in hand, is congregational care. Uh, it has been mm-hmm. a long, hard season for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and people feel mm-hmm. disconnected, people feel weary, and I recognize that um, in large churches, it can be hard to know where to come to receive that care that they need. So uh, mm. that that's one of my projects that I'll be working on in this new year is thinking of what does a system of congregational care look like in a large church so mm-hmm. that people feel well mm-hmm. cared for. Yeah, that's great. And and there's the question like I've found in that, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. There's the the people who kind of follow the system that get in a group that get plugged in that like have a natural kind of um, whether they're more outgoing or they're just, they're, they just are, they're joiners. They love to plug into stuff. Uh, 
However, then, then there's the folks that are fall outside of that, that just for whatever reason, aren't in a group, but they still have issues. Uh, they're still that, that we want to care for. We, they're still the kind of person we want to, you know, find, you know, to, to care for them. So any thoughts on how we, we kind of early thinking on how you think you might help get those people yeah. uh, connected and plugged in and care for them? Because it, that's the, always an interesting group. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, our ultimate goal is to engage people in our discipleship process. At the same time, mm-hmm. we recognize that not everybody fits into that box. And we also recognize that I don't think that discipleship is formulaic necessarily. So right. there are people that are growing in other arenas. Uh, we were just talking about uh, mm-hmm. in our leadership team, a group that they're already doing all of our discipleship process. They're just not doing it at our church mm-hmm. outside of worshiping at our mm-hmm. church. And so how do we mm-hmm. engage them in worshiping, serving, connecting and reaching others with the gospel when they're already doing it mm-hmm. so well? So yeah, mm-hmm. that it is mm-hmm. a big question to wrestle through. And I think that um, it's really finding out that one touch point and how to engage them in that, right. that one touch point. So if they're mm-hmm. here in one of those four environments, mm-hmm. engaging them there and then inviting them mm-hmm. into further relationship. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking through, but I do think that it is that constant, the person who is a ambivalent attender, maybe not even a regular attender. And then all of a sudden they're, mm-hmm. they're desperate for care. And it's like, we don't really know you. And so how do we, yes. I, but I want, we want to care for you. So learning how to, to do that um, is something that mm-hmm. will be a big hurdle and I'm excited to tackle it. Uh, but I don't quite know the answer yet. Yeah, that's cool. Well, this has been fantastic. What a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's uh, episode? Uh, yeah, I'm, I always have more that I could say. <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's good. Uh, yeah. That's why we have you on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that one of the things as I've been thinking through this congregational care piece is I've also been thinking through mm-hmm. uh caring for church leadership as well. And I Mm -hmm. am just Mm -hmm. convinced that healthy churches are led by Mm -hmm. healthy leaders and that the greatest thing that we can do as church leaders to lead healthy churches is, is be just as concerned about our own health. We need to be paying attention to our our spiritual health, our mental health, our physical health, and, and so mm. I think that even within this thinking through congregational care, I'm thinking, how do I care? How do, how do we care for our team? How do we care for our pastors? Mm. How do we care for our staff? So um, mm. I just, I think that for all of the ministry leaders out there that are thinking, mm. how do I uphold and shepherd this flock that the Lord has entrusted into mm. my care? So much of, the, of that mm-hmm. is actually caring for us as shepherds as well and thinking, how am I caring so for true. myself too? So true. Pastor Julie, I really appreciate you being here today. Super helpful. Uh, where do we want to send people online if they want to track with you or with the church? How, how, where do we want to send them so they can kind of follow the Chapel Hill story? Yeah, yeah. chapelhillpc.org is our website. You can check us out Great. there. And also if you look up Chapel Hill Church on YouTube. You can find us there. Great. Good. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. 
drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.